welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about Star Wars books that we love over the phone in the midst of this crazy COVID-19 pandemic. Stay the fuck home and wash your hands and listen to Forever Canon. I'm Justin. Uh oh. Wait, what? I said I'm Justin. Oh, I. That, that, that was my fault. That was my fault. My bad. My I'm bad. leaving. I'm leaving that in. Who are you? I'm Tim. And this is. Over. This is the first over. hiccup in our speakerphone journey. Yes, over phone. It's a little interesting. You can't see me. I can't see you. And uh, best guessing as I try to read off this script that I write every week for this podcast. Yeah, and and it, who knows. I don't know what's, what's going on at your house. You don't know what's going on here. No, but you know what? We're still bringing the people the, the Star Wars Legends <laughs> reviews that they are thirsting for. And this week, we got chapters 25 through 29 to finish Fate of the Jedi, book one, Outcast. And say it, Tim. I got it right. Say it. You did. You did get it right. <laughs> I, I was. I was worried about the uh, the the twenty five to twenty eight. Actually, it was. Well, was, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I was good with the. I was good with the fate of the Jedi. You got it right. You know what? I I didn't have you smirking at me <laughs> in my peripheral vision, <laughs> throw me off like I usually do. This is this is a weird podcast, guys. Yeah, no, this is crazy. I'm walking around in my own house. And we're, isn't that okay? That's what I was gonna ask you too. There's no way you're sitting down to do this because you're talking on the phone. So you must be walking constantly. Yeah, I'm actually cleaning up dishes from dinner. <laughs> well, let's jump into it, man. It's gonna be a yeah. weird. It's gonna be a weird cast for probably a while. And uh, if anybody gives a shit, we're still putting this out for you. Yeah, and and I'm actually having a little bit of fun doing this a different way. It's weird, but it's fun. I agree, dude. It's strange, and that you know, shaking it up after seventy whatever episodes is kind of neat. And the other thing too is, uh, it's it's just very, it's very strange. I'm talking to myself. You're at least on yeah. the phone. I'm over here in the regular setup with the mics out. I got your mic boomed at, at my speakerphone. But I'm all by myself, <laughs> talking to the computer like I always do, staring at the computer, even though I've got the phone in front of me. Anyways, let's get this book finished. Let's do it. You know what? Uh, that was the thing I wanted to say. Before we actually start, I'm going to sidetrack this one more time. All right. Fantastic. The biggest thing to me was like, I w we were talking about it right over text. Like, how are we going to do this? We'll see how it goes. And the biggest thing was that I didn't want to stop reading the books. Yeah. You know, where we, it's such a routine now for, for a year and a bit where two years. No, uh, no, 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 no. Year, like, year like, and a half. like 16 months, 18 months. Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, where we read four chapters every week and get the star Wars fix and stuff like that. I did. I just didn't yep. want to stop doing that. So if we got to do it over speakerphone, we're doing it, bro. And and by read four chapters every week, it's jam four chapters in Sunday. <laughs> hey <laughs> hey hey hey! You're giving away secrets. Too much behind the curtain talk. Hey, it helps us keep in line. And could you imagine if we didn't 
read it like that and it would be all over in our heads yeah. how, much, how much more messed up this would well, be. Well, that's the thing. We talked about that before and we've done that before where, you know, I may, I, I kind of make the script cause I kind of lead the, the parade. But like, if I have read the shit from Wednesday to Friday and then we talk about it the following Monday, Ooh, it's yucky. Well, when I read it yeah. all on Sunday, it's like, you know, it's much more fluid. Yeah, it, it, it feels it feels a little more natural because it's all in our heads still. And wouldn't you know, I just finished it today. Chapter 25 starts at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Tim, are you ready? <laughs> all the ladies are here. Jaina, Tahiri, Winter, Tekli, and Mirax. In mm-hmm. the temple basement, hospital bunker, dropping off the captured Seth Helen. Who, Tim... Of course, is suffering from that crazy Jedi imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's a little bit different than Valen. He's seeing like Mandalorians. Yeah, he's well, and and he's the only other person that they know other than Valen that's experiencing these symptoms. But yeah. they got him. They got him trapped now, and they've got him locked down in the basement underground, of course, in the Jedi Temple. As you do. As you do. Techly can study him while Jaina and Tahiri grab some calf. They just want to chit-chat, you know, kick back. And they're not talking for more than a few seconds when Jaina's government spy, Dab Hantak, a.k.a. Anakin Poster, appears and shocks Tahiri's PTSD back to life, and she leaves pretty quickly. Yeah, she, she runs out of the room. How horrifying would that be, eh? Yeah, that'd be terrible. She, you know, that was the thing. That's obviously her most, her her deepest emotional leverage is, is what she lost, uh, the potential that she lost with Anakin, right? That's what Jason yeah. preyed on in the last book series. That's, you know, her, her exploited weakness. And Jane is in the middle of being like, hey, come back, come back to the Jedi Temple. It's all right. It's kind of weird, but it'll be all right. And then Anakin walks in the room. Yeah, and and Jaina was, Jaina just said, "Oh, hey, Dab," not because she's so used to it now. Yeah, exactly. She, is, she didn't even warn Tahiri. That's so funny. You're you're so right. She's like become desensitized to staring into the face of her dead brother, but Tahiri gets all jacked up on PTSD and she leaves. Jaina yep. wants her to come back to the order. Tahiri already has reservations, and then this guy, there's just another bridge too far. She can't cross, so she gone. Mm-hmm. And this is another instance throughout this book. We're seeing Jaina reaching out to Tahiri. How yeah. about that? If I, if I could have guessed at the beginning of the book series, that's unexpected to me. Yeah, absolutely. She, she's, she's really trying to be the savior of the story this time. Like, like, like for real, but saving, not just like in a heroic sort of way, but like singling in right now on Tahiri who yeah. she knows and she knows is a good person just well and it's funny because sideways. Tahiri was her evil brother's her evil twin evil twin brother's lapdog and for for Jaina to be reaching out to her to offer her forgiveness is got to be the highest level of it possible right you know like <clears throat> yeah she, absolutely for her for her you know for Jaina of all people to be reaching out to her I don't know, mm-hmm. I just I think that's on purpose meant to have a lot more weight for us. And Might then work. we cut to the underground of Kessel. Uh-huh. 
where the pre-quake ground quakes mission is a success. Alana shot the last missile. Alana shot the last missile. Yes, she did. Come on with these grandparents. (laughs) Now, I'll say this as a parent who whose children spend time with their grandparents. Damn, the grandparents always do shit that you don't want them to do, man. Uh-huh. You're always like, oh, I, no. What do you mean you let her fire the missile? <laughs> hey, why? She is what? Six? She may, is seven? Yeah. Six or seven. She fires yeah. the last missile. Mission success. And now it's time to leave the tunnels because Kessel is officially fully saved. Yeah, and she's going to have a hero complex already. She's six or seven. She saved the whole planet. <laughs> Remember that time she went joyriding with her dad when her dad was trying to not get blown up and he killed all kinds of people and she hated it? <laughs> yep. Kids had a complicated life. Remember that time she got kidnapped from her mother's home underneath the nose of her mother and her mother came hunting for her and she definitely could feel that through the force. And then she got stolen away by her biological father who she never really knew and doesn't really have a real relationship with. But she got stole. Kids complicated. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a weird life for that kid. And it's not going to get any less weird. Spoiler no. alert. <laughs> Kessel is fully saved, but wait, some ship has been bogeyed and needs rescuing. So Han and Leia and Alana and R two D two and C three PO to the rescue, and they rescue him immediately. From an energy spider, which is now on the Falcon's cockpit. Ah! <laughs> and it's trying to get in. It's scary space spiders. The creatures absorbed energy. They soaked up anything active sensors had to throw at them and could not be detected by, detected by such devices. They were or nature's detected. perfect predators. And now one of them was in reach of his family in italics. Yeah. You know, thinking about this from like a bioengineering standpoint, it'd be pretty sweet to figure out how those energy spiders absorb all sensors and turn it into fuel. No? That would be a good uh, good thing to look into. Like what an addition to an X-Wing or to a stealth axe. Yeah, or even just defensive capabilities of any ship. Oh, you're shooting lasers at me? Absorbed. Absorbed. But, yeah, you know, they're too scary for that. Also, yeah. Han, Han gets this moment of badass concern for his family. Now he's so yeah. worried about his family. Should have raised your kids, bro. Refer to previous series. Wedge flies in to help. Then references the Yuzhan Vong War because he's old. Also, Han yeah. finally grows up. Sorry, you go ahead. No, I'm just laughing. I, I'm just agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's just like, hey, remember that time that we were heroes before? In the past. You know, it's Aaron Alston. He loves his pilots, man. And I like them. I like them. Yeah, they're need... good people. I, all of them are, they're fun. They're, they're a weird kind of action, but funny at the same time. Like yeah. they throw their own little. Like they are a little bit of a slapstick Motley Crew type of thing. Mm-hmm. Not you know not the band. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The original meaning. Anyways, he's old. Also, 
Han finally grows up. He decides he's not the powerless escapee he once was previously on Kessel. He says the words, he is the Falcon. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just like, what kind of fucking weirdo shit is this? We're like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a spaceship pilot. But to to just be coming out of this, you know, shock of vulnerability and then to lean so heavily into, oh, but he says something along the lines of like, oh, but but when he's piloting the Falcon, he's not, he's, he, he's untouchable. He's not himself. He is the Falcon. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's, it's, I guess after flying it for so long, I guess you would feel that yeah, kind of sure, connection, like, I guess. That's such like a cheesy, like, I don't know, Top Gun line or something. You know what I mean? Like, or like I am the Falcon. <laughs> ah! I don't know. Anyways. That, that, you actually just kind of sounded like Falcon from like Smash Brothers. <laughs> Falcon Punch! <laughs> I, uh, listen, if I can do if I can do any impressions, it's Smash Bros. Because my kids have played the shit out of that. Now, Han decides I am the Falcon, and then he calmly saves his family by pumping the brakes really hard. That's easy. That was easy. Yeah, he does a little spin back down towards the planet and just okay. Pumps Flame the brakes, the shoots the spider off the windshield that's it's been trying to smash through the windshield, and then he realizes like, oh, it's not it's not making any progress. It's not going to get through. I'm totally safe. I'm the fucking man. I am invulnerable. I am in no threat whatsoever. Just like, uh, just like Luke and Ben have not been in any threat whatsoever. Just like Jaina has not been in any threat whatsoever throughout the beginning of this book. You know what I mean? Like our three main storylines. Nobody feels like they're in danger at all. The bogeys just turn your shit off. Yeah. Luke and Ben are just like, hey, we're going to get out of here. You can never leave. Now we're going to leave, though. You know, like they've been saying that all along. Well, we'll let you know how that goes, but uh, (laughs) we're leaving anyway. But seriously, I mean, like, again, it's just, I don't know. There's no no stakes, no threat. It feels like it for, for maybe moments. And then Han's like, oh yeah, there was never a threat. I am the Falcon. And he pumps the brakes, kicks the spider off, and, you know, not yeah. only not only does he kick the spider off the front of the ship, he then doesn't kill the spider, right? He just lets it go. Yeah, it's, it's just trying to eat. It's not like he's being all, he's trying to, I think he's kind of trying to teach Alana a lesson at that point. Yeah, which I think is meant to be like a pointed thematic element for the reader, for us, where he's mm-hmm. saying the spider's just hungry, not evil. It's just its nature. You know? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's, I think that's a theme to carry forward given to us at the end of this storyline, you know, at the end of this yeah. arc uh, through, through the first book for them. And I just, uh, I don't know. It was so boring. I'm surprised he didn't say half an hour later again. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just some fly around. A little bit of tension at first when it, it was, first climbs up on the thing. But yeah, it was just it. kind of exposition. And then a spider. And then Han goes, oh, yeah, I was never in danger. 
which may be that sort of hubris, which is the same thing that Luke and Ben are exhibiting underground over on Doran, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that is the hubris that's meant to be finally the downfall of the Jedi. I don't know. Uh, eventually, eventually that kind of hubris will be anyone's downfall, right? Well, according to every mythological story we've ever heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't know, is it important? I don't know. Tim, how uh, how did you like Han Solo getting his groove back, man? I I liked that... I I actually didn't appreciate the scared, skittish Han Solo. Right. I, I appreciate him being the hero, the guy that's like, I can do this. Uh, you know, we talked about it through the chapters, and, and getting that extra dimension of him being scared and stuff, and or vulnerable, or feeling... You know, um, like he could die. That yeah. was kind of nice, that element of it. But the way that they were, it was being executed was like lower level. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it was kind of um, basic. Um, yeah, almost, almost um, like like a Cliche? juvenile type way, like it just a heavy-handed, he's scared kind of deal. Yeah, pretty much, right? And I don't know. We'll get to we'll get to complaints next week. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, poor Alana. Okay, this poor child screaming her face off for this entire scene, terrified to death that she's gonna get eaten by a spider, and then like Han Solo just clicks into chill mode, and then everything's supposed to be fine. She's seven. Yeah, and she was thrown pretty hard into those restraints that were holding her into her seat, too. Yeah, that was a funny thing, right? They're like, oh, we yeah. reversed the inertial compensator, so blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, this, this was written during a time still where we didn't really know about concussions, huh? Yeah, that was the first thing I care about seatbelts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever, at least they had, a, had the kid have a fucking seatbelt on. Yes, that's true. That's important. Chapter 26. The Jedi Temple on Coruscant, where Kenth Hamner, Grandmaster, has to deny Jedi involvement at the prison break, and oh boy, that's a ticking time bomb, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, he doesn't technically have any proof. No, well, I mean, that's how it was set up, right? It's all clandestine, and, and Jaina and her team pulled off this mission without telling anybody else about it for exactly this reason for mm. for plausible deniability yeah because they knew that they were going to come to the jedi first but eventually it's going to come back to bite them in the ass that the jedi just break whatever fucking rules they want man whoopsie yeah. whatever, they do whatever they want kenneth hamner takes a stroll with alliance security captain harford who was immediately interrogating the Grandmaster about the Jedi's involvement. P.S. Corrin wants to kill the Captain so bad that Jaina feels it like a slap of dark side force. Yeah, and a, a whole bunch of other Masters and Jedi in the room look over at Including him. Including Ken Thamner, who, who gives him a look of, now is not the time. <laughs> yeah, easy now. Essentially, you know, don't kill this man in wide open. Sure, okay. I don't know, Dark Master Horn, it's not the time. Yes, no. The two of them, the uh, Kent Hamner and the, and the Alliance security guard, they carry on while Dab comes to tell Jaina he suspects it was her pulling off the prison break, but he won't rat mm-hmm. her out. 
because yeah. he can't be 100% positive. And he's just a documentarian. Yeah, yeah and he it's, it sounds in that whole whole segment there, it sounds like he he's doing his job, but he doesn't like his job. I think that he's like using his job as a means to make a documentary that he wants to make. Yeah. And also, go ahead. He doesn't necessarily, like, he's not of the government, like, mindset where, oh, the Jedi suck. Yeah, he's not a hater. He wants to know what's going on on the inside. Yeah, he's not a hater. He's a studier. Yeah. Also, he want to bang Tahiri. Yep. Yikes. Yes, he does. <laughs> Yikes. Hey, hey, guy. <laughs> and That'd he's like, awkward. oh, what? Is this supposed to be a big deal that I look like her dead ex-boyfriend? Oh, she'll get over it. So, Jaina leaves. Yeah. Because that's fucked. She heads down to go see Seth. And she finds Master Silgal, who isn't supposed to know that he's there, and isn't supposed to be in this underground bunker uh, hospital room. Yeah, it's like a it's like a storage room. Uh. Yeah, but also Master Silgal won't tell on Jaina because Jedi code, homie. <laughs> yeah, she she tells Jaina like uh, sometimes, you know, Jedi are not in service to the rules. We are in service to the good, as we've talked about throughout these chapters. Mm-hmm. That it, which is often the impetus for them breaking mundane laws and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so Silgal tells her that, and she says, I won't rat you out. And she even tells Jaina that I have been talking to Luke Skywalker. Dude, Master Silgal's yeah. breaking all the rules. She's breaking tons of rules. The Jedi even break their own Jedi rules. They can't stop breaking rules. Well, once you get a taste, man. Once you get a taste. <laughs> well, the question is, how freaking right is Dala? Oh, yeah. No, she's so right. Off, like, Jaina just, Jaina just captured a dude who was trying to pull off a prison break. You know, Jaina the Jedi captured another Jedi who was trying to prison break a Jedi out of the prison. Like, they do whatever they want on every level. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. And so, Dala is not wrong with all this, you know, overbearing... Uh, spy work but no she go ahead she's definitely she's very um she's very justified um yeah i don't i don't think i I don't think having all the observers is necessary but well guess what they're useless because jane i guess they're not doing anything (laughs) she just tricks them and she's like oh stay up here in the parking lot i'm gonna go fight crime no (laughs) gonna commit crime and the guy's like, yeah, okay, sure, why not? And that, you know, because he doesn't want to know the truth. You know what yeah. I mean? He doesn't want to be in charge of knowing the truth, I think. I think Dab is, is turning a blind eye kind of purposefully. Yeah, he's not, he's not, like like we said, they're not bad guys, and he knows that. Yeah, exactly. And Silgal, though, down in the basement bunker, has discovered Seth Helen is in a semi-dream state at all hours, even awake. And she's got her first clue. This thus starts the unraveling of the mystery of what the hell is wrong with these Jedi. His brain doesn't block the scanners. He doesn't have that power that Valen has. 
So Silgal is able to see. Look at all these brainwaves. He looks like he's dreaming all hours of the day. And it was, uh, it was Jane said, oh, so he's like daydreaming. Yeah. Uh, not quite. And she's like, no, course. not really. More like hallucinating. Yes. And so a first clue, and I don't know, I'm going to ask you again, Tim. Any guess what's wrong with him and Valen? I still think it's some weird corruption in in the force somehow. A force sickness? Yeah. Do you think it's going to spread to other people a la coronavirus? Um, yes, actually. Do you that, think, do you think the Jedi should be practicing social distancing and self-quarantining at this time? Uh, quarantining probably wouldn't be a terrible, terrible choice. But you know what happened instead? They brought a whole bunch of government people in there to spy on them. And there's and they're still going to work and doing their things. And maybe it's a contagious infectious disease. Whatever is happening to Valen and, and Seth Helen. Yes. PS They're underground. Mm-hmm. Cut to the caverns of Doran. Where Ben is in a big hurry to leave, but Luke has decided he must save these people from their own choice. And their weird paranoid leader. Why, why you ask? Why is Luke Skywalker taking it upon himself to uproot this entire tradition that these people have had for the last 70 or so years? Because, quote, pretending to be dead is rejecting life. And life is the force. So fuck them. Yeah, he, he's not he's not wrong. And it makes, makes a certain amount of sense, I guess. But... That's still, it's very much putting your nose into someone else's society, right? Right. Hang on. Hey, you're wrong. It's very much like, a. it's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very obtrusive. Intrusive? Intrusive? Uh, obtuse? Uh, how, about, how about we just use presumptuous? It's just really like overbearing. Like, hey, yeah. uh, you guys are all wrong, so I'm going to make sure you're all right now, no matter what. And he thinks yeah. he thinks saving them all is the right thing to do, but he's got a weird motivation. I think Ben sets out to discover the cavern's secrets, and well, he does. For example, he goes looking for, you know, that secret tunnel collapsing button that keeps getting threatened, mm-hmm. and he finds dozens of triggers, at least one in every room. Paranoid leader, right? Paranoia equals bad. Tim, did you know that? It does equal bad. Proper planning is good. Paranoia, terrible. And so Luke and Ben later watch some Keldor sparring. And a servant says some cryptic shit. And now Luke has all the answers. And is ready to save the day at his and Ben's renaming ceremony. And once again, much like the last series, Luke ain't telling us shit. No, I, I know what's going on. Don't worry. He's, he's just like, not hey. telling Ben anything either. Yeah, he's like, tell, yeah, exactly. He doesn't tell anybody anything. He's just like, all right, I got a plan. Tell everybody to uh, come, uh, come to the same room here. We're gonna get this on. And then chapter twenty-seven picks up right there, with four yep. dozen Keldor, and two humans at the ceremony. They are outnumbered. Luke tells the I hidden one, "Surprise! We are here to rename all of you fools." 
We are not renaming ourselves and accepting death. We are going to bring you back to life. Da, 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 like, what the fuck, man? He he steps in this room of fifty people who don't give, who don't who don't agree with him, necessarily, or that he doesn't know that right. And he's just like, yeah. let me tell you all why why your religion is wrong. And he says, you deprive yourself of the right to teach. The force to the living. The force is life. And you are rejecting it. And if you cannot be alive to teach the ways of the force to the living, then what the hell are you even doing? And one of my favorite parts here is Ben enjoying his dad being a shit disturber. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good, right? I definitely I definitely did enjoy the, oh, the, the kind of... Oh, look, Dad does it too kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. That connection of, hmm, oh, look at him causing trouble, huh? On purpose, huh? All the things I probably got in trouble for all my childhood. Yeah, yeah, just all the time. Anyways, he's like, yeah, you you guys are doing the wrong thing with the Force, so now you're not allowed to do that anymore. Also, look how weak you all are. Ben will prove it. And if I'm right, we all leave. Okay. Okay. The guy's just like, the hidden one's just like, all right, deal. It, all right, deal. I will I will yeah. give up this religion that I have, you know, founded and, or not founded, but the one I am leading, and I will just give it up if you're right. What is this? What is this shit? Uh, he's being supremely confident. Yeah, but it's like lackluster writing, man. This is, this is like cliche- Conan the Barbarian shit. Yes, it is. I show up to a place and I tell the leader, I will physically duel your strongest person to free your slaves or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And with the backdrop of the entire time, them not feeling or being threatened at all, we lead into this fight where Ben is voluntold once again to fight the same person, Zidane Chara. Yep, yep. And and Ben wins in exciting fashion. You know, the fight the fight is a is a is a raucous one and it brings the yeah. crowd to life. Yeah, and it was it was a good fight to read too. Yeah, it was actually really fun to read. Um it was they hand to hand dueled with quarter staffs. Yes. Quart, quarter staves? <laughs> no yes, quarter staves. I don't know, another one of those plurality problems, right? But anyways, yeah, Ben wins the fight and pr- kind of proves Luke's point as all the crowd is is cheering for Chara and showing passion and emotion and mm-hmm. all the things they, they he says that they're denying by claiming to be dead. But I didn't hear anybody down here being like, hey, you can't care about anything. No, it just looked like um, because that um, Ithia, the one that was sparring with the Chara there. Yeah. Um, she used to be better than him. Right. She came down here and got complacent and just kind of, I don't need it, so I don't use it. And so that was the fight where he was like, I have all the answers now. Yeah. And the, the, the servant boy was like, as in life, such in same in death and stuff. And Yeah, I had no skills when I was above ground, so I get no skills here. I'm just a servant always. Yeah, and Luke is like, wait a minute, you're not teaching anybody, you're not growing anything, you're not spreading anything. You're cowards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, 
Luke wins. Also, with his point proven, Ben has won the fight. The people are all impassioned. And the hidden one is mad. And he says, nope, you can't leave. And no more oxygen for you, jerks. <laughs> we won't kill you. We'll just uh, not give you the supplies you need to live. Yeah, exactly. You know, secondhand news. And then we go to chapter 28 where he's just left this vague threat hanging of you're going to suffer to immediately they're too dangerous to be left alive. Right at the beginning of chapter eight immediately changes his mind. A couple of people say some things arguing against him and he's like, wow, look at these dangerous Jedi. I must kill him immediately. I can't just wait for everyone is everyone is fighting against him. And he's finally like, and then yeah, like you said, he's he's saying, oh, look what look what they're doing. They are too dangerous. They are turning the people against. Yeah, they're like, turning uh, you against me. It's Anakin, right? Yeah, yeah. like a like a power hungry leader is yeah. what this guy. He's supposed to be a like a wise sage, and he turns into this crazy man. Well, and specifically, like the same scene that we've referred to a thousand times, where Anakin is at the end of Revenge of the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Obi-Wan comes down the ramp and he's like, you did this. You turned her against me. It's like, you murdered children. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> no. You, no. And so they're too dangerous to be left alive. The hidden one starts throwing lightning. Yes. Which is white, Luke notes, not Palpatine's purple. Never survived white lightning before. And no. turns out the lightning's not enough, so... The hidden one turns up the wind. And that's not enough, so he throws a tornado at Luke. <laughs> and at the at the summation of the fight, Luke is victorious, and we get this, which mu- something that must be, you know, a visual, uh, a, a visual imagery thematic choice, where. The Hidden One's last resort is to throw his throne at Luke Skywalker to try and kill him. Mm-hmm. And Luke throws the sturdy support pillar through the throne, smashing it and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Saving him. He thwarts he thwarts the flex of power with sturdy reliability. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As much as that's probably reading too much into it, I don't know. You never, you never know. It, it all seemed of you, all of your things seem to make sense. So <laughs> I don't think. But like, like we've said before, we spend a, we spend a lot of time attributing motivations to things that don't exist. Yeah. But it turns out, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, they were not in danger because Luke could just win everything at all times. And at the summation of the fight, I think I already said that, Luke is victorious, and Ben, in the face of the Hidden One refusing to give up and let them leave, starts spilling the secrets of this underground cult. And this whole thing sort of amounts to, look around you at the obvious lies, you fucking idiots. Uh, Jedi are smart. You are dumb. Because Ben's like, hey. Ben's like, hey, you guys have big blast doors. How did that get down the small tunnel? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, you said that you canceled our air thing, but how come you guys have more food than you should have just based on your hydroponics thing? Blah, blah, blah. 
I don't know. Yeah, he, he walks them through like four or five different things of how they've been lied to. Well, the thing that bothers me about this is it's such a such a hero syndrome trope where like I've been here for five seconds and I solved the problem. You fucking dummies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of these people have lived down there for years or decades. And they never put together the fact that the blast doors, like the doors to the rooms were too big to get through the tunnel that you came down. Nobody, nobody ever thought of that. Nobody ever thought, oh, we have way too much food. Why do we have this? Why do we have this pantry full of food? Why? What? Like, what the hell? Yeah, that's true. Which kind of just smacks of like weak writing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you just kind of walk in, you solve the obvious problem. That, you know, it should have been obvious. There's no reason why it wouldn't be discovered by other people. Mm -hmm. There's no in-character reason for why Ben is like, ah, I noticed this and you didn't. Because even Luke says, oh, I noticed all that right away too, of course. So it's literally just Jedi are better. Yeah. And you guys are just trying to hide underground and keep all your information alive. That's stupid. Stop doing that. And so yeah, you're not allowed to wrong. anymore. Luke wins. They're not allowed. They're not allowed to do that anymore. I don't know. Maybe I just found this all boring because I never once felt Luke and Ben were in danger. Not once all book. Yeah, no, they definitely weren't. The only time that Luke felt threatened at all was when he didn't realize how badly his trial was going to go. And he was like being held and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Remember back at the beginning of the book where he's like, Oh, probably just we'll do this routine thing and we'll be out of here. Lickety split. Yeah. And then no, you got exiled for 10 years. Yeah. Cause he realized that was the way to do it. I don't know. But can you think of any point in their story where they're like, Oh no. Yeah, no, no real, real point where they seem to be in any, any real danger whatsoever. No, no danger at all. And then we come through to the end of the book, chapter 29, where Ben and Luke, hey, can you fucking believe this, Tim? They escape via an elevator. Yep. Wouldn't you know it? An elevator. Even in the underground hidden conclave of information run by a paranoid schizo leader who just has been lying to his followers and, and, and trumpeting his power. They just leave with an elevator. Mind you, there was that whole fight with the tornadoes and the lightning and all that jazz, right? Yeah. It it was a hidden elevator, but (laughs) it was hidden. But like, again, like Jaina, you know, just smashing those three cars and then they get away with Seth Helen. What a weird finish. Yeah. Where all the, all the action is right. I don't know. All the action is, um, is not directly influence the escape or, yeah. or it's, or it's too easily, the, the escape is too easily obtained or something like that. I don't know. Something about it is just like not good enough. I, yeah, yeah. It was a little, um, 
it, it did fall a little flat. It just felt, it, yeah, it just felt empty. It was, yeah. it was, it was uh, a, a predetermined adventure from start to finish. They were going to mm-hmm. go to the place. There was going to be a secret. They were going to uncover it and escape. There was never a doubt. And so yep. they head up the elevator to the surface of Doran, looking up to see the two black holes, the nearby neighbors. Just pointing that out one more time before the end of the book, I guess. And Ben takes his mask off and takes a deep breath of helium to sing a Tolkien-esque traveler's song of yearning for brighter times in a high-pitched Ewok voice to his dad. It was amazing. But what an unpredictable final scene to a very predictable storyline, right? Yeah. I don't know. Everything they did step by step along the way was like very clearly going to work out for them. And then at the end, he's just like, I'm singing to my dad in Helia voice. <laughs> I don't know. It was again, like that's pretty incongruous. And I don't know, man, I might have complaints next week. Well, and this is, this, I, I felt it was Ben hanging out with his dad. He got to do something this was like the only fun thing. They never hung out because dad was always busy running right. the Jedi. Yeah. So he, he got to do something cool and something just goofy. And this is a new era for them, right? Like, yeah. Well, not only is Mara gone, but the two of them are also forced to spend all their time together because Luke is in exile and Ben went with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Ben can leave at any time, but the two of them are kind of, stuck together as a pair very uh i don't know seemingly permanently you know yeah for the foreseeable future for sure who knows book two could do anything as we cut to the mines of kessel the planet is saved the bogies are extinct and the pilots are celebrating this mission success and han and leia make plans to head home and raise a child cut to yeah that was about it Cut to Dorshan Doran, where Ben and Luke have completed stop number one on the follow Jason Galactic Tour. They're back now in the Jade Shadow. Mara's ship, their new home. And Luke has sent a message to Silgal to dig into Jason's potential force nexuses, solving that little plural problem that we had a few weeks ago. Yes. Yes. Nexuses. there it was in the print. Ben and Luke both said nexuses. And Ben asks, where do we go next? Luke, of course, gives no answers. Nope. But this time he has none. He yeah, says, they didn't get any answers. Yeah, time. exactly. He sent the message out to Silgal to dig a little deeper on their next destination. So they're waiting to hear from her. They are just going to relax. And Ben says... It's good to be alive. Yeah, he just leans back, closes his eyes, and And that's the first book of Fate of the Jedi. Outcast is over. It's done. All 29 chapters of it. And here, I I was thinking about this at the end of reading the book, and I wrote down a little little three-sentence summary of what happened in this book. Are you ready, Tim? Okay, here we go. 
Luke and Ben exposed a fraudulent underground society leading some of them back to the surface. Han and Leia uncovered ancient underground magic, blew it up to lead people back into the mines. I know. Uncovered. I knew I would get you. Yeah, you got me. Jaina went underground to capture a crazy, crazy secret guy and keep him and his crazy secrets underground. So why so much underground? One of the stories leads us down to lead people back up. One of the stories leads us down to lead people back down. Right? Mm-hmm. And then Jaina's story, the third one I mentioned there, goes underground to stay underground. Why so much underground? There must be a uh, theme here. Yeah, I think it, it all has to do with, it's just like a symbolism or whatever you would call it for secrets and stuff you would keep hidden. Well, I'll tell you what. You want to know why so much underground? Find out next week when we hit the review episode for Fate of the Jedi Book One Outcast. Can you believe that already, dude? Yeah, we it it was a quick book. We're already a book through in this in our second series here. Ten total. It's gonna be a quick series, man. It is, but that that makes it ten total books. Yes. You know, and and two feet stepped all the way into the next series now. We're done the first book. And we're going to find out what we thought of it next week. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Why so much underground? I, I, I don't mind it. You, fuck you. <laughs> For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a J Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at J Plazer. Check us out.